With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. Hey there, Crimeholics. It is your host, Kinsey. Welcome back for another Friday episode. I hope everyone enjoyed their week and has a really fun and safe weekend. This week, I was kind of dealing with some upper respiratory issues, so I do apologize for the way that I sound today. Before I go any further, I want to say thank you to all of those who have kept me in your thoughts and prayers. I just recently opened up about some pretty serious things that I've got going on in my personal life, and I just want to say again, thank you for all of your thoughts and prayers. They mean more than anything, and thank you guys for continuing to be such an amazing support for the show. It means the world to both of us. This week, I will be bringing you an unsolved murder case from a town that I have spoke about before in one of our Missing Mondays episode, and the town is Lumberton, North Carolina. It has been some time now, but it was when I covered the disappearance of Abby Lynn Patterson. The city of Lumberton is a place that is safe for families, a great place to retire, and a place where residents can safely enjoy all the nature that the town has to offer, according to the Lumberton City website. But is it really the truth now that this is the second case that I am covering that is coming from Lumberton, especially when these crimes both took place just over a year apart. On the morning of November 5th, 2018, a 13-year-old girl named Hannah Aguilar was in her front yard starting her aunt's car to warm it up so it would be nice and warm on the way to school that morning just around 7 a.m. All of Hanya's family, friends, and teachers have stated that she was a very great student in school who cared about her grades and was an outgoing, friendly teenager. Not only did Hanya take her grades seriously, but she also took her love for soccer serious as well. At the time of Hanya's death, her family was living in a mobile home park called Rosewood Park. This was not a park that struggled with a high crime rate. The community was small and most of the families within the park all knew each other. Not long after Hanya went outside to start the car, a neighbor heard a high-pitched scream of a female. The neighbor looked out the window to see a black male dressed in all-black clothing wearing a yellow bandana holding 13-year-old Hanya at gunpoint, forcing her into a vehicle that belonged to one of her relatives. The neighbor quickly makes the conscious decision to call the police and report what they had seen. Police would then receive a second call from Hanya's family herself. Her cousin had looked out the window when he heard the high-pitched scream from the female and saw his cousin being forced into the car. The police responded to the call within minutes. When they arrive to Hanya's home, they're trying to gather any type of information that they can. The issue with getting the information was that Hanya's family was having trouble trying to give them the information in English as they primarily spoke Spanish. The police were trying to find anybody to be able to translate them the information. Due to the fact that they were not able to get this translator quick enough, it delayed getting out an Amber alert for Hanya. Once the Amber alert was released, it stated a 13-year-old Hispanic female by the name of Hanya Aguilar had been kidnapped by an African-American male dressed in all black with a yellow bandana. 
The man was seen holding Hanya at gunpoint and forcing her into a 2002-2003 Ford Expedition with South Carolina license plate NWS984. The paint on the hood is peeling and there is a Clemson sticker on the rear window. Hanya was seen wearing a blue shirt with flowers and blue jeans. It is not often that kidnappings are witnessed, so the fact that it was witnessed by two separate people in Hanya's family themselves, it brought a lot of hope to her family that she would be returning home safely. The Lumberton County Police Department knew that they were not going to be able to handle this kidnapping on their own. So they call in help from the FBI, and when the FBI gets involved, they quickly put out a $15,000 reward for any information leading to Hanya Aguilar. After the Amber Alert was issued, tips started rolling in just one after another. And thankfully, along with those tips came people stepping forward with camera footage from their homes that showed the car leaving the scene sometime around 6.52 a.m. with the man in the car with Hanya. The police were urging people in the area if they had any more footage to come forward. This brought up more and more camera footage of this man around the Rosewood Park mobile home. While they have camera footage and it's extremely helpful, one of the downfalls that you continue to see almost in every single case where some type of camera footage is recorded, all of the camera footage tends to be extremely grainy, it's very blurry, and it's hard to really make out any type of face. And unfortunately, that is what happened here. They were not really able to get some type of sketch or to even really be able to identify who this man was because all of the camera footage that they had received was extremely grainy. Nonetheless, the police still released all of the camera footage that they had gotten to the public, and thankfully they did because it leads to a very important piece of information that I will get into shortly. Two days later, on November 7th, 2018, they hold a candlelight visual at a park in Lumberton for Hanya. All of her friends and family and the local residents there in town gathered to share all of their memories of Hanya. Her mom made a statement and she was pleading to the public for any help that they could to bring her daughter home. She felt confused and could not understand why somebody would do something so horrible to try and harm her daughter. She continued to go on to say that she did not have any illness feelings toward the person who took her daughter that they just wanted her back unharmed. Hanya's mom says right to her, wherever you are, I am with you. As a mom myself, this is one of those cases that really tugged on my heartstrings, listening to Hanya's mom beg and plead for her safe return. On the very next day, November 8th, 2018, after Hanya's candlelight visual, a group of teenagers from there in Lumberton were out walking around when they stumbled upon the 2002-2003 Ford Green Expedition that was used to take Hanya. The kids report it to the police and they're starting to look at this as possibly a double-edged sword because at that point, the car was so important in locating Hanya for the public. But at the same time, they know how important it is that they've got this car because it can potentially hold evidence to be able to figure out who was responsible for taking Hanya. 
After the car is discovered, the police ask all of the local residents near where the car was found to look at any type of camera footage they may have picked up in their homes. They know that the camera footage helped so much in the beginning. They're hoping at this point it is going to help them even more. The police send the car off for processing to try and get any type of DNA evidence out of the car that they can to hopefully be able to run the DNA and maybe find a match in the criminal database. The Lumberton Police Department and the FBI know that now time is of the essence based on the evidence and the items that they found inside the vehicle. The FBI agent in charge of this case, Andy De La Rosa, takes to the public to make a statement and he basically tells the public, if you are the one who is responsible for the kidnapping of Hanya Aguilar, or you are somehow involved, or you know information that you are withholding, we promise that we will come after you, and we will hold you responsible. While the police were searching the vehicle, they found over 10 pieces of clothing items. Within those clothing items, they found the t-shirt, the blue jeans, and the underwear that Hanya was wearing when she was kidnapped. And very sadly, inside Hanya's underwear, they were able to collect a sample of semen. The police, again, are looking at this as a double-edged sword. Not only did they get DNA evidence from Hanya's underwear, but they also were able to pull DNA evidence from the steering wheel. They're looking at this like a double sword because they have DNA evidence. This is a big deal. They're thinking that they might be able to run it through the criminal database and hopefully get a match, but they know that this is also not good because where is Hanya wear her clothes and they know for a fact that Hanya has been sexually assaulted. Now that the police have the information that they do, they are desperate and they ask everybody living in the area where the car was found to please look at their camera footage just one more time and hand over anything that they may have. They all comply and they hand over camera footage, multiple pieces of camera footage that has the man and the car in it, but he continues to remain unidentified. But this helps the police in such a major way because now they have over 800 tips and they are able to conduct 400 different interviews. However, even though the police have all kinds of tips and they have conducted all of these interviews, weeks go by and Hanya's family is not any closer to bringing their daughter home. Thanksgiving comes and goes, and this is the first time that they've ever had a Thanksgiving without Hanya. It is a very sad time for her family, and they are hoping and praying and clinging on to their faith that God is going to bring Hanya home. During the weeks of Hanya's family not receiving any information, the police and the FBI were working around the clock, searching the farmlands around the area where the vehicle was found. On November 27, 2018, they come across what they had hoped they would never find. They find the naked body of a young female laying face down in a bed of water with a plastic table laying on top of her with a tire on top of the table. They used dental records to positively identify that the female body that they found was in fact 13-year-old Hanya Aguilar. Hanya's family and the local community in Lumberton are all extremely heartbroken and devastated at the discovery. The police and the FBI promise Hanya's family and the local community that they're going to do whatever it takes to find out who is responsible for taking Hanya's life. 
What we know right now is that the police have DNA evidence from the semen found in Hannah's underwear, and they have the DNA evidence that was found on the steering wheel, and they have over 800 tips to be able to work with to try and identify this man. And I want to go a little bit into these tips some more. There was a tip two weeks prior to Hanya's body being found. A woman had called in and let the police know that shortly after the information about Hanya was released to the public, she had seen an African-American male who she knew by the name of Michael Ray running into the woods in a mobile home park where he was staying. She felt that this was weird, but she really did not know a lot of information about this Michael Ray, but knew that he matched the description from the Amber Alert. The police did look into this tip when it came in, but they really did not have a whole lot of information to go off of because they were not sure who this Michael Ray was. After this tip had come in, another one had come in from a couple who said they also lived in a mobile home not far from the Rosewood Park. Michael had showed up to their house with a cup of change and two computer monitors that he was trying to sell. He was soaking wet and they thought it was weird that he was asking if he could wash their clothes. For whatever reason, the couple allows Michael into their home to wash their clothes. They go on to leave this tip and tell that while Michael was there, the Amber Alert had gone off for Hanya. So that Amber Alert was distributed sometime around 10 a.m. on the 5th. And this guy was already in their home by 10 a.m. when that Amber Alert went off. They are sure that this man was responsible for Hanya's death and they would be correct. The couple informs the police that this man's name is Michael Ray McCleary and that he has an extensive criminal record. So not only do they get this major tip of who this man possibly is, right at the same time, the DNA evidence from the semen comes back and they get a match in the criminal database. And would you guess that it was, in fact, Michael Ray McCleary? When the police run Michael McCleary's name, they find out that he actually had active warrants that were supposed to be served just weeks prior to Hanya's murder. They bring him in for questioning, and he says that, of course, he has nothing to do with Hanya's murder. He's never seen Hanya before, and he's never even seen the Ford Expedition. But the police are not messing around. They know that this man just sexually assaulted and murdered a 13-year-old girl. They let Michael know right away that his DNA was found inside Hanya's underwear and that he was not getting away with this. When the medical examiner did the autopsy on Hanya's body, he was not able to determine her exact cause of death due to the mild to moderate decomposition that her body was going through. But he said that there was no type of drug use on Hanya's body and there was no type of disease within her body. So he determined that her death was likely caused by homicidal asphyxiation. With all of the DNA evidence being a match, the police and the FBI were able to charge 34-year-old Michael McCleary with the rape and murder of Hanya Aguilar. Michael McCleary had a very extensive criminal record for things like burglary, 
carjacking, and even a previous rape. It had come out that just one year prior to Hanya's murder, he had sexually assaulted a woman where his DNA evidence was left behind and had even got a match. It was handed over to the Lumberton Police Department with a warrant for his arrest, but it was never executed. Hanya's family has been left extremely devastated knowing that had the Lumberton Police Department did their job thoroughly when it came to this Michael McCleary, their daughter would still be alive today. Her family is not wrong either. There was an active warrant for Michael McCleary's arrest just weeks prior to Hanya's murder. Had the police done their job thoroughly with Michael, he would have been arrested and behind bars for the crimes that he committed. Her family has every right to feel the way that they deal. The way that these warrants are handled have got to be done in a better manner. Yes, I'm sure it may have been a little harder to track down somebody like Michael who was constantly couch hopping and just on the move, but it only took them just a few days to find him when that tip came through from somebody who knew him. So how hard would it have really have been to try and track down Michael and serve that warrant just three weeks prior to Hanya's murder? A family lost a beautiful daughter, sister, a cousin, and a girl lost her life way too young, and it's somebody who had a really amazing, bright future ahead of her. Things could have very much been different in this case. Crimeholics, if you haven't already, I highly encourage you to join a Crimeholics podcast discussion group on Facebook or follow us on Instagram at crimeholics.podcast or you can follow me personally at this is Kenzie, K-E-N-Z-I underscore. Crimeholics, as always, be aware and take care.